Welcome to the Tilted Coaching Podcast and I'm your host, Sheila Walsh. My background is in coaching psychology and organisational consultancy. If it has something to do with people, I'm usually involved and interested, whether it is about personal development, professional development, leadership, relationships, managing or anything else that involves the care of people in some way. A friend of mine encouraged me to do this podcast because he believed that I should bring my insights and my understandings into a really simple bite-sized collection and this is what you have today. I hope you enjoy the Tilted Coaching Podcast. Please do rate us if you find it interesting and you can always pop over to our Patreon account to sponsor it. John, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Well, being here from a distance. Um, So I asked you to come on and speak about something you felt passionate about. And when I asked you, you said it was social enterprise and innovation. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, it's my pleasure to talk about this stuff. Excellent. So will you tell me a little bit about why this is important to you? Okay, no problem. So I suppose in my current role, I run a fund called the Social Enterprise Development Fund. Uh, for the Social Innovation Fund in Ireland, and I can tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. But um, I suppose on more of a personal level, like I have been lucky enough to be in a position to set up some social uh, mission-driven organisations in my past. And when I was doing that, I got loads of help and support. Okay. And then opportunity came up to like turn the tables where I can support others who are setting up social enterprises or um, other social innovations, um, like I jumped at that chance. Okay, okay. So you, you've you kind of like gently pointed back. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the, the social enterprises you've been involved in so far? Well, I was involved in setting up a few things uh, over the years, but most notably I set up the Irish Men's Sheds Association, even though it wouldn't be a classical social enterprise, I suppose. What's interesting about social enterprises compared to other social mission-driven organisations is the enterprise piece. Mm. So it's between the charity and, and an enterprise that raises its own money through trading uh, and selling goods or services. Um, so I suppose the Irish Manchester Association at the time was more of a traditional kind of social purpose driven organisation where we had to look for funding and things like that. But it was still a really exciting journey. Um, I came across Manchester's first way back in about 2006, I think I heard the first mention of them. And then um, with through a series of events you know I got to visit Australia in 2009 and came back with uh, you know a kind of this determination to set up the Irish Men's Sheds Association. I wasn't involved in the first men's shed in Ireland or the first couple there, were, there was a number of people doing that at the, as simultaneously the first mm-hmm. in Ireland was set up in Tipperary Town in August 2009 but what I did and it was based on the learning from Australia's like I brought all those sheds together set up a kind of a peak body to support those sheds whatever they needed and also to support other communities to set up a men's shed and and that's really gone from strength to strength over the last 10 years okay okay why men's shed like what was it about that that was important to you so there would have been a couple of uh, uh ways to come at that question really so like professionally i'd been working in community development and historically up to that point like in things like community development or health promotion there's predominantly women getting involved there's very few men if you went to your local community centre there's very few men uh, and yet then the recession hit 
and there was tens of thousands of guys in Ireland who were out of jobs. Um, that was a kind of a catalyst for the need, but we also came to understand that even without the recession, there was lots of, of guys, whether they were retired or outside the workforce in particular, for whatever reason, that like were experiencing isolation uh, and, and, and other issues. And the men's sheds, I suppose, was a very simple model of bringing those guys together to, um, you know, and with the kind of the sense of community and the bit of support they got from each other, they were able to like have some, some positive outcomes in their lives. Okay. So basically, you're working in the area of community development, you're kind of doing your thing, and you notice this, this massive gap. Yeah. It wasn't being served, it sounds like, quite the way that it needed to be served. Yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose even a bit more specifically, the work I had been doing in community development was targeted at men. And it was like one of like we had like identified the problem and we were looking at it specifically about getting more men involved, particularly those guys who were like experiencing kind of multiple disadvantage, whether it was like, you know, homelessness or mental health problems or, or anything like that, you know. Uh, and, and we were trying to develop systems and structures to get them involved too, so that they, like, they could access the services they need to lead more fulfilled lives. And, um, and we'd been, we had some success in Ireland, uh, but then like, the, the men's shed model from Australia seemed ideal to like, build on what we were doing because uh, for a number of reasons, but primarily because it was like, low cost and very sustainable. And that each group, once they get set up, they can keep themselves running. And it wasn't consistently like looking to government for funding, uh, like like lots of other health promotion or social protection in, in initiatives. Mm, okay, so I suppose it ties in nicely to the social entre- um, kind of entrepreneurship in a way because it doesn't sound like you went out of your way to that originally you went right. That's it. I'm going to do something. It sounds like you saw a need that you saw you could support in some way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like when I was setting up the Irish Men's Sheds Association and I was looking for support and funding to do that. So uh, like I came across different organisations um, who support social entrepreneurs. Well, Social Entrepreneurs Ireland is one example. And uh, But up until that point, I would have never described myself as a social entrepreneur. It was only when I became involved in that space, became involved in that network, uh, became aware of like like tens if not hundreds of other people across Ireland who were like going out of their way to make something happen about a particular social issue uh, that I realised there was this thing called social entrepreneurship or social innovation, which is another term I came to understand even a little bit later in the journey. Mm. That's really interesting because I speak to people sometimes and I'm like, that's a really good, um, that's a social innovation. You're, you're working on something here. And they're like, oh, no, 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 I'm not an innovator. You know, or I'm not an entrepreneur. But actually what they're doing is, is moving and, ma- and making our society better from multiple directions. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So how would someone know they're a social entrepreneur? How, like, what would be the cornerstones that somebody could say, oh, I should get in touch? Oh, so um, I suppose if people are wanting to get in touch with us at the Social Innovation Fund in Ireland, it's particularly if, been, if the project they're working on is at a reasonably advanced stage. Like we, we typically look for organisations that uh, are working on specific issues. So, for example, we could have a Children and Youth Mental Health Fund open or a Youth Education Fund or as Arts to Impact Fund or Sports to Impact Fund, which are open at the, mo- at the minute. So people who are working in that space uh, 
they can come to us. People, people typically come to us looking for funding, uh, but we don't only give funding, we give funding and other supports. And that would have been my own experience as well. When I went looking for funding, I needed it to run a very young organization, but it was all the other stuff like the strategic planning, the support about how to build a good board, how to govern your organization, how to mind yourself in it all. Um, mm -hmm. Those things were, uh, turned out to be much more valuable to me in the long run than the I got at the time. But the funding was very important. Yeah, and it, it's funny because I noticed that we, we often decide that the issue is not enough money. And, I, like, and I'm in community development myself in different ways, and it's always there isn't enough money. But actually, often we don't have the skills to to bring it beyond a kind of um, a, a low-key community intervention. So often we're not working at a kind of a strategic level. We're not... Uh, absolutely. I, I think that's I think that's a key insight. Um, it's very easy to just be really busy trying to do a little bit of work for the people around you. Like So it's stepping back, being strategic. Particularly, I feel like if you've got a solution that works for a problem say, in your own locality, so whatever that is, after schools, uh, club for example that might be working a little bit better doing stuff a little bit different than has been done before and uh, like like not only is there an exciting opportunity I feel to share that around the country and it could be happening in every town but there's almost a moral responsibility <laughs> do you know so like it, it like you can't be keeping all this amazing information for yourself but to but to scale up or to replicate what you're doing in one place in another place is a very different challenge mm -hmm. and takes a lot of skill it takes a lot of insight it takes a lot of planning um, and and uh, yeah that's the stuff I suppose we look at in a lot of detail in the social innovation fund um, it's really exciting uh, for us like so for example I would have got great support when we were planning to scale up from the first 20 or 30 sheds right up to 400 and, and more um, and it was very exciting it didn't seem possible at the time even though like you know, it was more of a dream than a possibility and all, but it's happened, but it wouldn't, it didn't happen by accident, do you know, and, I, and it definitely hasn't been all my doing. I stepped back from the Men's Heads Association a few years ago and the people have been doing the work subsequently have done a fantastic job, like probably better than I was ever doing. Yeah, and I think that's the sustainability that we don't always, I think, naturally think of in communities because we let it up to one person to do it. So when you think about the, the strategy that's used in business or entrepreneurship or in innovation, there, it's always about it working when you're away from it. But in communities, I find things work because we're in them. They rarely have, you know, a life of their own. It's usually a, a person motivating, yeah. which is very limiting, although very good for a local small community intervention for that, that upscaling for to actually Im impact all of Ireland, it can actually be the very thing that holds it back, I find. Yeah, no, that's a, I do, I'd agree with that. And, and there's a, like, there's a big scale. So I found even, uh, like, one of the things we talk about for, for organisations that are a little bit more developed now than early stage, but, like, they need strong succession plans. Like, how is this organisation going to survive without the founder? And, like, we often feel like, how is it going to survive without the founder? And actually, it's probably, in some cases, better off without the founder. <laughs> you know, because, like, a founder syndrome, uh, which is another interesting thing, you know, People just get so attached to their idea and to their organization that like they don't let it go it's like i suppose uh, somebody with a kid it's very hard to you know empower them let them off to let them off to school or whatever and just like trust that everything's going to be okay um 
and and um, so th- so that's a big challenge for organisations. But but it does it is very rewarding. Like even from my perspective now, when I can look back after a few years been away from an organisation and see that it's gone from strength to strength uh, after I left. After you left, and was there was there was that hard for you to leave? That were you able to see that it was in the interest of the organisation and yourself, or did that take some coming to? Because I imagine no, that was a, a series of events. It was actually in something that we tried to fly to like all social entrepreneurs or people who are ending up in innovations is uh, like I just put too much time and energy into it and I got burnt out. So I had to step back. Mm. It was quite interesting, actually, because I've been spending like the previous three or four years traveling around Ireland, helping people to set up organizations to mind their well-being. And I told them, mind me owning it all. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was kind of a, the decision was taken out of my hands by the set of consequences, set of situations. Yeah, I see that a lot actually. I see that often with, and it's not just in the kind of social space, but often founders, that relationship with what they've created becomes more important than actually what, what they've created having a life of its own and being capable of moving beyond the person. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic that I think, have to work through like in a lot of processing and stuff has to go on yeah, yeah. because in a way you know it's a, i love the baby analogy in a way when it's began it wouldn't be there if you weren't that involved that's the reality if there wasn't somebody giving it socks it wouldn't be there but then at some point that could be the actual issue yeah absolutely it's a challenge it's like one of the things we also like i often say to people as well is that thing of just not getting too attached to your idea or your solution um, and it's kind of similar, but it, like I feel it's more important to be really attached to the problem that you're trying to solve. For example, even though I think men's sheds are amazing, uh, like, and they help men's health and well-being and they counteract isolation and they're great for community development and all that. But if we found a better, faster, more efficient way to meet those outcomes, uh, then that's what we should be doing. So it's really easy to get really attached to a specific idea. Um, and I think, I think particularly in the social space, because there's so many people involved in most ideas, people find it very hard to pivot or to like let go of an idea and to try something else. Oh, I love that. Actually, I'd never thought of that before. I'm going to remember that now when I'm working with people because it is, it's, and, and me too, like I'm like, this is the perfect solution, but actually the, the problem is more important as in that are we meeting this the most efficient way, the most effective yeah, way yeah, for the yeah, people exactly. we're trying to serve? Um, so I, I think I think all organizations or leaders need to circle back to that and ask themselves that question, like at least once a year, make some time to ponder and reflect or, or maybe in groups even like of your, of your leadership team or whatever. I think, I think it's an important uh, thing to do every year. Oh no, it's brilliant. I like that. So in terms of the, the kind of advice you might give around somebody who maybe is sitting there saying, okay, I think I might be a social entrepreneur or I might be in the innovation space, but, but I'm not really sure. Or, I've gone down this road and I'm looking for advice about how to be more effective. What kind of things would you tell someone? Um, so there would be a number of things. The first thing is to reach out for support. Like there's quite a lot of supports out there in Ireland. It depends on what stage of the journey you're at, but you could go to, you could go to us and the social innovation funders, the organization, the social entrepreneurs Ireland, there's the local enterprise offices or the local development companies all around Ireland who offer, offer support and they kind of depend on, yeah, the stage of development you're at. Um, there's lots of networks out there, like peer networks, join a network. Uh, 
and, and, and reach out for that support, I suppose. The, the other thing is when it comes to social innovation um, is like all kind of social innovations or social enterprises are set up to do something about a social problem. So it's very hard at times to measure if we're having an impact on that problem. So just really get, um, you know, get hands on with your social impact measurement right from the very start of what you're doing. It's so easy to think you have a proper solution, but actually you could put all your time and energy into it. And then when you look back after a year or two, has what you're trying to change really changed? Um, you know, you need to get that information as soon as possible to stop yourself going down the, the wrong kind of paths and journeys. Mm. I think that's a really good point is starting with what ways to measure it because I, I often find when I'm involved in things by the time we get to the measurement point we've lost some of the data in the beginning like some of the Absolutely. really important information yeah. and your baseline data and all that but it, yeah. it, it's it's I think the biggest problem people come up against when collecting data or trying to measure stuff is just measuring the wrong things it's mm. like really clear about like yeah you have to try and measure even though it's really difficult like what you're trying to change in the world so if you're doing something for like young people and loneliness or old people and well-being or whatever then that's what you have to measure like you don't measure like how many meetings you have or how many people turn up or whatever it's it's like it, it's really trying to measure the stuff that you're trying to change is the key to it mm. and i think the, that kind of qualitative research is always a bit tricky anyway it's you know sometimes you go looking for something but actually the the impact might be very different to what you imagined it yeah. to be still yeah. beneficial but it might actually be beyond what you could have thought of in the beginning it is and that often happens and that feedback loop i find is very important like because sometimes you stumble on outcomes and outputs that you never dreamt were uh, and and they can they can often become even more important than yeah. what you were doing but at that point i think there's also an interest in dynamic because like it depends on how loyal you are to the problem that you're trying to solve in the first place um you know and um you know because is that what you're trying to do because say for example i don't bring in older people together in a daycare center and it was further help but you might find the outcome is really important for community development or something like that like do you go down that road and build on it more do you advertise that like there's always questions to be answered in situations like that I like that. It's kind of that moral piece a little bit. Again, it's like, are we, you know, where do we, because that's actually a really hard one. If you're benefiting one area, but you plan for another area, that's a, that's a tight one to, to work with. Like when you care about the community you're working with as well. It, it is, but I, I think it has to come back to like, so like your organization and what you were set up to do. And if you've got a clear mission and vision, and like being, a, being careful to avoid that kind of mission creep and going on to the next thing and the next thing. Um, all social enterprises that I know have limited resources, so you can't do everything for, for everybody. And so most important to be really clear about what you're trying to do and how you're doing it and sticking to that. And like, it's almost as important to, like, to not do the other stuff as it is to do the stuff you do do. Mm. Hmm. that's really interesting there's um there's a charity that I, I or a not-for-profit that I'm working with it's about social anxiety and I was always really impressed by the founder that he was so specific on who with social anxiety so it was adults it was social anxiety that that was it that's the yeah yeah and, and that's the target group and in the beginning I was like but we could do because this is the way I think we could do so much he's like that's not this is our purpose this is 
the mission of this organization and it's all i've always found it really interesting because actually the work that's gone on because of it has been far a far stronger quality because it hasn't become diluted by all the other possibilities and um, yeah so, so it's so I, I've seen that in action actually so and I've seen how quickly I've been caught up in the all these cool ideas <laughs> and all these cool things we could do and bringing it right back to does it serve the, the exact people we're aiming to work with and um, yeah. so I, I've seen that in action so that's an interesting one yeah thank Very you good. thank Brilliant. you so before we finish I'm gonna ask you I was gonna talk about a little advice but actually could you identify that if somebody's listening and they don't know whether they're a social entrepreneur or innovator, could you give like, what would be the three things that somebody would, would use to identify themselves and then to come and seek support from yourselves or from others? Um, I don't know if there's three things. I think if people are wondering if they're a social entrepreneur or if they're in the social innovation space, they probably are it's not something you're going to be thinking if you're outside the space like it's like anybody who's doing anything that's good for other people or for the environment and they need a bit of support like the term social entrepreneur or social innovation might scare people off uh, but there's lots of support uh, even at, 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 at local level through local development companies and, and you know and that could be the first step um, but particularly if they get to the next step and they're setting up an organisation that has a social or environmental uh, mission, then they clearly are a social entrepreneur or a social innovator. I suppose what's different about the social entrepreneur compared to the social innovator is like us in the social innovation fund, innovation can happen in many places. It's not just been led by one person. A social entrepreneur is kind of like setting up a business to get up the go, they drive it, you know, they, they get some followers and, and all the rest. Like so, um, and social innovation can happen in, in big organizations. Uh, you know, so they might have a new project, for example. Uh, and we're really happy to hear from them as well as from the, the ones that have been set up by individuals. Okay. Okay, brilliant. I think that's excellent. So I'm going to leave it there. Thanks a million. I really appreciate Thank you very much. Uh, absolute pleasure. Perfect. And I'll put all your details in the bio so that if anyone's looking to get any support to have a conversation, they'll, they'll be directed back to you. Is that okay? Thanks very much. That's great. Brilliant. Brilliant. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Tilted Podcast and I'm your host, Sheila Walsh. If you'd like to sponsor The Tilted Coaching Podcast, simply pop over to patreon.com slash tiltedcoaching and sponsor the podcast for as little as a cup of coffee a month. If I didn't say it correctly, pop over to the link in the bio, visit the Patreon page and become a sponsor. Thanks a million.